Hi, everyone, and welcome to the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. This is episode number 177, and I have the best news in the world for you. It's not just me. I'm joined by the always Flicky Fashions Ready, Mr. Brad Flicky. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. I hope you're doing Glad well. Glad to hear you. <laughs> Glad to hear it. I'm doing pretty well. Um, I created a little bit of a recording issue about five minutes ago when I sleepily started and then stopped the recording and then I started and stopped it again and realized the caffeine is not quite kicked in. So for those looking forward to seeing what else I might do in that adorable sort of nature, stick around. But if that's not appealing to you, trust me, we have an amazing list of stories that are way more appealing than waiting to see what my sleepy brain does. And we're diving right into the movie section, which I think makes it a little bit fun and interesting. We've got a lot of good stuff for you, starting off with an exclusive new look featuring Barry and Barry. That's right. We're talking about the two Allens from the upcoming Flash movie featured in a new image. And they've got some very interesting attire. I was wondering about some flicky fashions feedback on that for us. Brad, what did you think about this uh, image and the outfits? You know, I clicked on the article and I saw the picture and I immediately got Batman vibes, like a Batman influence on the suit. And then I read the article and they mentioned that it seems bat inspired. So uh, I, I, as far as, as flicky fashions go, I do like the design. Uh, and and if you notice in the trailer, the you want to get nuts, let's get nuts scene, um, there's something about Batman's arms, like the the costume looks a little different. And I didn't know if that was lighting, but with this picture, the arms in Barry's suit kind of look the same. So I do think that this is going to be a plot point that somehow uh, Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne designs one of the Flash suits. That's That was my takeaway from the picture. So... But again, it's just it just makes me so curious about what the plot of this movie is going to be. So I'm um every you know, every bit of news that we get makes me more excited. What about you? Well, it's with good reason and easy to do when the information's like this. So I'm just gonna do a quick little flash on the image. Flash, haha, punning. And uh, in doing so, then I'm going to blow up on two details that the article points out. One, you can note the cowl very clearly. Those are distinctive bat features. And then two, it points out that if you um, take a look at the, uh, the way the emblem is designed, it has a very interesting approach in that the bat symbol and then it appears to be like a yellow lightning bolt sprayed over that. Yeah, I was intrigued by the idea of like, okay, so how does the the story play into all this? How do you make this fit, right? Um, what's going to be the the purpose of all of that? So I'm just going to show that little bit where you can see that that's clearly a bat symbol that now has like yellow spray paint. So they've cobbled together a suit, and I would imagine, given the number of, yeah, what's on your mind? I was going to say, I'm glad you pointed out those details. I did not notice oh, that. Oh, sure. That. So <laughs> I appreciate that for sure. <laughs> No problem. Yeah. So I found those to be interesting bits. And I just thought, well, you know, I remember there's a moment where, you know, Batman is taking in sort of the suit. And I'm pretty sure he has an idea of much like uh, when we see Batman as played by Ben Affleck and he's taking in all the characteristics of the suit, the design structure, the purpose behind it, that he would have something that's designed to also withstand 
high-speed forces or something similar for whatever the reasons even if he never met a flash now just warping that around a little bit twisting it up and tweaking it so it can fit a barry allen and and be something that can withstand the 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 strain of running at the speeds that he does. That's an interesting development. I think it would be sort of fun. I like what you mentioned also. I did notice there was some really intriguing design elements going on with the costume, right? And and how those could be utilized for the part of this costume that we see the second Barry. <laughs> the bat berry, maybe, uh, in, in this moment. I think it'll be fun how they put this together because it does appear also as though when we meet these two berries, uh, they're on different trajectories and getting one to join up, maybe even participate in this way could be a very significant moment. We also had a little bit of information that was a lot of fun. And it's the fact that Michael Keaton hasn't put on the suit in over 30 years. And a featurette was put together that sort of, you know, showcases what this meeting was for everyone who is part of the uh, the work, we got some great words from Andy Muschietti. Um, what did you think about the featurette and also what we heard from Andy and, and just sort of the, the acknowledgement of how significant this is? That after having, you know, been Batman Returns, Michael Keaton never put the suit on until now. See, you know, that's that's a great word is significant because Michael Keaton's Batman is hugely significant. To a lot of fans now, to a lot of fans, that was their introduction to Batman. Uh, and you, you can't overstate how iconic his take on the character is and has been. And it seems like Andy and the rest of the crew really respected that and took that part seriously. I think they said it was like seeing the Beatles play again. It's something that you, you know, you'd never thought you'd see, and here we are. So. Uh, again, I think that it's something that makes me more excited for the movie because it always helps when the filmmakers know the characters they're dealing with and have uh, love and respect for those characters. It makes such a difference. And I think that we're definitely getting that with this movie from what I can tell so far. What about you? I love just the excitement and enthusiasm, you know, that whole, he looks amazing. He hasn't put this on in 30 years and he puts it on. I also love the, the, the heartwarming twist. You know, this is a Michael Keaton who after so many years has gone through so many different experiences. Um, and, and now, I mean, I think about the moments when he did some great things recently, the American assassin Birdman was such a, you know, a Titanic movie it was just like so phenomenal the way they they address that so now to come back to this character once again and in doing so that he puts on the suit and he says can you take a picture for me it's from my grandkid like <laughs> i gotta love that sort of like hey man you know you might have been batman you might be all these different things but right now you're grandpa and you're getting to do something really cool so can you just snap a shot <laughs> that that probably was one of my favorite moments of the story if i'm gonna be completely honest so we grabbed that one from uh, Comic Book. Comic Book is also bringing us our third and final movie news story. And this is the fact that James Gunn is debunking the latest wave of rumors. And there's a statement. And we've been asked to take a moment to do so. Please be aware these words are all being said in... Uh, this is all James Gunn's words. It's This is not me in any attempt trying to paraphrase. I'm getting barraged with bullshit DC rumors this morning. I'll just reiterate the general rule not to believe anything 
unless it comes from me or Peter. But unless it's especially egregious, I'm going to slow down on calling shit out. Sorry, I know it's one of my favorite pastimes or traditions. Sorry, one of my favorite traditions, Gun wrote. There are three reasons for this. One, some people are making up lies to get attention from me or to get clicks. And I don't want to encourage that. Two, I've read 100 rumors this morning. One of them is half true. So I don't want to be used as a way for people to throw nonsense at the wall until something sticks. Three, I'm storyboarding Superman Legacy and don't have time. Have a great day. <laughs> I thought that was a wonderful answer. And all three points are um, sound reasons for not engaging any further in this behavior. It was sort of cute and fun. And now it seems like it's just giving people a reason to be a bit annoying and to just push more than they, you know, normally would, I think, if they didn't feel like they were almost being encouraged. What, what did you think about this take and the statement and everything to go with it? Yeah, this is stuff that we've said before about, you know, how he takes the time to actually communicate on Twitter and debunk these rumors. And how does he have time to do it? Well, it looks like he reached his, <laughs> he finally reached his breaking point. Because it, it looks like work on the Superman movie has uh, really started to kick up a notch, which is good to see. But one thing I didn't consider is how that some of these people can manipulate some of these rumors to get clicks by having him react to it. I didn't even I'm, I'm on Twitter so little that I didn't even consider that. But, yeah, that makes complete sense. So I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all for saying I got to step away from this for a while. You know, he. And it's kind of nice, too, that you're getting it from him, because it kind of would have been easy for him to find a social media manager to deal with those rumors. But no, he came out and said, no, this is me and I, I, it's too much. So uh, yeah, I got to respect that. What about you? I completely respect it. I also think that there's a degree to which he understood that by taking the helm, he was taking on a big responsibility. There were a lot of questions that folks had about what's the future of Warner Brothers, what's the future of DC properties at Warner Brothers. And he recognized the value in responding immediately and personally to a lot of those and just saying, hey, fans, I'm here and I want to reassure you in as many ways as possible one of those ways is by telling you exactly what I'm planning on doing, trying to be as transparent as possible. But then along the way, clearly in ways that I could have never imagined, not without spending a lot more time on Twitter. And I'm okay with not having that sort of creative imagination by not spending more time on Twitter. Uh, and with that in mind, yes, there would be a, you know, a benefit for those who traffic in this sort of conjecture where it's like, Oh, well, let me put something up. And then that alone, just the speculation of it is something that drives hits and ads and clicks. And yeah, someone's basically money making money off of speculating. And then along the way, the other idea that you're just constantly throwing up good and bad ideas and whatever sticks you're building a story out of and using this process. Meanwhile, draining energy and time from the guy who I want to spend time storyboarding Superman legacy. Don't take him away from that. I'd prefer that we have a great storyboarded project. Um, it's one of the favorite things that I love about great shows recently. Uh, Vox Machina, 
Mandalorian. You get to the end of the episode, they show those great storyboard scenes. You really get to see the way it's mocked up. I mean, it, it plays out so well. I, I want that to work. So uh, for anyone, by the way, who felt anything in that statement, please address all of your comments to James Gunn. I have to go wash my mouth out with soap at the end of this podcast, but that's my problem. Uh, with all of that in mind, we can segue into our TV and streaming stories we've got coming your way. It's the announcement that in response to the Writers Guild strike, Batman spinoff The Penguin has halted production amid that strike and that this series is one of many joining the the groups that are saying this is the reason that we are putting a stop to things until there has been a new contract and the strike has been resolved. Brad, what did you think about this announcement and what it means for Penguin fans out there? Well, first of all, I think it's a necessary fight. I think that um, what these writers are fighting for is important and it's something that's going to have to be dealt with. So it is a shame that things are getting delayed, but it's not going to be just Penguin that's getting delayed. Everything is going to be on the delayed schedule now. So you just have to kind of wait it out. It's one of those things where you have to roll with the punches because there's so much in this fight about streaming services and even how to deal with AI, which is a very interesting part of the fight. And like I said, those things are going to have to be discussed. Um, or writers are going to get even more, pardon my French, screwed over than they already are, and that's not good. Um, and in the end, if these battles weren't fought, the writing and the stories we get would suffer. So we have to suffer now, but the quality is going to be worth it in the end. So it's just one of those things where you just have to kind of uh, to wait it out. And, you know, better that I'd rather wait than have it get canceled. And I don't think that's that's going to happen. So, you know, at least at least we have that going for it as well. What about you? I don't want it to be canceled either. And I do agree that when it comes to the writer's strike, it's it's really straightforward if you're going to navigate uncertain territory, you need to provide some protections for those who you're asking to take the journey with you. And then along the way, if you realize that someone's being taken advantage of, not being properly compensated, the responsible thing to do is address it. Now, my one concern is it got this far simply because the writer's Guild has done this. They demonstrated it in 2007 to 2008. They're demonstrating it now for this season. This is a group that has no problem walking out, and their terms are not unreasonable. A living wage that allows creators who've been creating great content to make a living wage that allows them to keep creating great content. As far as I'm concerned, if you pay them well enough that they can keep dreaming up these wonderful shows that we love talking about and all the things that go with them, it's a win-win. Because even if you're paying them all the money I saw recently, one of the members of the Writers Guild, when it was first starting out, one of the members of leadership appeared on uh, CNN and pointed out that the salary of one of CNN's um, <laughs> financial holders, someone who basically is part of the company that owns CNN, he's like, look, for what this person is making in one year, we could pay what we're asking for somewhere around like 180 something writers or something ridiculous like it got really out there and you just realized 
if you want something, you got to give something. So I'm hoping that they'll get this worked out. But I'm proud of all the shows that have said, yes, in response to this, we have no problem shutting down. We need them. We know the stories that make us who we are, the actors, the directors. That's the source material. So I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that there's a responsibility being taken among directors through the WB projects. I also know that there's a lot of questions being raised about the merger that's been going on. And I feel like working in in sort of a murky way like this and breaking a, a picket line and doing things like that would only add to the troubles people are feeling with like, what's going on with WB, you know, discovery? What's going on with? So why add more confusion? Why not be part of the group that says, let's step back. Let's allow the responsible parties to figure things out and then let's figure out our path forward. So that's my spiel. Um, <laughs> with that in mind, I do love the fact that even while there's, the writer's strike going on, there's still a desire in the hearts of so many to take on beloved characters, bring them to life, put their names out there for like, hey, when things pick back up, got an idea for you. One of them, Sean William Scott, someone who made his name with the uh, American Pie movies, but then through projects like The Rundown and a few others, demonstrated a sort of sidekick-ish action component to his acting repertoire. And recently, gave up himself as someone who would love to play Booster Gold. We're getting this one from Comic Book, and it's uh, it's in regards to a conversation that was held with uh, Chris Killian. It, it's an interesting proposal. Brad, where do you land on the idea of this submission as a name for a possible Booster Gold? I think it'd be interesting. Uh, I could see it being kind of like a, uh, not to the same degree, but a John Travolta in Pulp Fiction thing where a uh, career kind of gets uh, a second wind because we haven't heard a lot from him. Uh, he does have the talent. He was great in Goon. I don't know if you've ever seen the hockey movie Goon, but he was really good in that. And I don't think he's too old. I think that, I think that they could work around that. And he's got, he, he can do comedy and this is probably a project that is going to have some humor in it. So I, I would say, I would say at the very least, let him let him audition. Yeah. Uh, what about you? I would love to see an audition from him. I would love to hear that his name gets uh, mixed in there. I, I do wonder, as you pointed out, he's someone who hasn't been around for a while. So is this a great way to reintroduce the actor to the community? Maybe show that he's been off doing stuff. I'm also wondering if there isn't someone who can portray well now. Before I get into that, I do appreciate what you mentioned about age. I feel like that's been part of a conversation recently. Like we mentioned it last week when they were talking about casting for Lois for Superman Legacy. And I'm feeling like that's getting into a weird territory because I don't understand the value of that. I, I do understand the need for it if you're talking 10 to 15 years of projects. But I'm a little confused about where the timing is supposed to be with some of these characters. I mean, with Booster, I can see the potential of it because the idea is he's a washed up uh, player, you know, might have had a, depending on the versions, high school collegiate career. And then beyond that, doesn't really go far. How far beyond that we pick him up depends on which version of his story you've read. If you're going from the old Booster Gold original series where he was headlining his own title, then I could see that he might be considered a little too old. But I'm also just curious step away from that tangent. I'm wondering if there isn't a possibility that maybe there is an actor who might also be a strong contender 
who can offer up that feeling of even if they haven't experienced it personally and if they have maybe it adds extra weight but that ability to demonstrate someone who's like yeah this is what it looks like after you didn't make it after you're a janitor in a futuristic <laughs> museum and you see all this great technology and you decide to steal it and go play hero in the past he might have that potential but i did raise that question in me because he's a little he, there's a great level of him that is so cocksure and that easygoing smile and quick whips and quips i mean you know i almost wonder if he would have been a great contender for like a clone saga with the spider-man is like ben or something right but <laughs> playing around with the ideas of him being a casting consideration I like it. I just wonder if there isn't a stronger candidate potentially simply for the reasons I mentioned. Someone who can demonstrate that 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 feeling of, you know, not getting that far. And maybe he can. Maybe it's just something I need to see in audition. It has been a while since I've seen him in anything. I did not get a chance to see him in Goon. Plug for Mr. Felicky Fashions if you haven't, clearly, an opportunity to see his great work. I loved him in a few. I saw him in... Um, the rundown, and then a few years afterwards, I feel like he did a similar. It was like a martial arts style, you know, project where yeah, I can't remember. Yes, thank Which you. Was, I believe based on a comic, so he I think so too. In that, in that world, yeah. So I like the fact that he's aware of what it takes to bring these characters to life, and he's got experience, and he clearly seems very passionate about it. I think the one thing that threw me is that as I read through the story, other than let's go. I didn't really feel like he was making more of a pitch than that. Like, yeah, I'd be a great fit. Booster Gold's a great character. I think he'd be fun. The other thing is that I wonder, too, and I'm just riffing here. I I did like the choice of um, the actor from Scrubs, who we only got to see one appearance of in Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, name's totally escaping me right now. But I, I feel like he was a great opportunity. Same consideration. Great comedic timing. Great great sort of sense of that ability to be quick and witty and maybe a little sneaky devious even i feel like both of these actors have that but i also would like to throw that actor in the mix because we only got the one glimpse of him in television and then he was gone so that's my final thoughts on that i am going to shift now and talk about the fact that when it comes to things it's not just actors who are putting you know the word out there for things they would like to see when it comes to the recent decision that Gotham Knights will not be renewing, or at least some questions about is it confirmed that it won't be, could it get picked up somewhere else, fans went ahead and made the decision to put together a campaign, uh, a series of images compiled into a video in which they are asking the CW to renew the series, or at least watch the video and think about it one more time. Brad, what did you think about this fan leg campaign? We grabbed it from Comic Book. They're asking for Gotham Nice to stick around. Is this the start of something like what we saw with the Snyder Cut or something, or is it a whole other approach? I, well, I think it's going to be a whole other approach because I don't think, me and I don't think it's going to be successful. Having said that, I think that it's great that it exists because we all remember how much hate was thrown towards the first trailer. And so many people, I'm not going to watch it, it looks horrible, blah, blah, blah. Now it's actually got an audience that cares enough to put up billboards. Um, so 
you know, good for them. And I, I personally, I thought the show was better than I, I expected it to be. So, you know, I say more power to them. I just, I, I, I unfortunately, I don't think they're going to have much luck with between all the changes that are going on. Like you mentioned with Warner Brothers, within DC on movie and film or movie and TV, I, it's going to be, it's going to be a hard sell, I think, to, to keep it around, unfortunately. But, but hey, if they succeed, uh, 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 that's, it's like a Herculean task, but good luck. What about you? Yeah, I always love the quote. Uh, you'll recognize this because I'm stealing it from the West Wing. That's like inhaling a mountain. <laughs> I always love that great line. When they're like, how did he pull that off? That's like inhaling a mountain. I think um, for those who are interested, you can go and check out. There's a Renew Gotham Knights Twitter page that is part of this message of Gotham Knights fans sending up the bat signal and part of this campaign that's been going around. I, I do agree with you, Brad. It's a Herculean, uh, Atlassian. I mean, I don't know. Pick your pick your favorite deity, demigod, <laughs> um, personal interest or, or hero. But pulling off something like this, it's it's rarely occurred. I, I also agree that there was you know something of a one off nature uh, to the the Snyder cut, and I think to a degree, you know, there's been so much conflict from it being beginning and then actually occurring to then sort of an after effect and a sort of division within the comics community of the behavior of those involved with that campaign and things like that. Also, there's all the uncertainty you pointed out. How do you navigate that? How do you even figure it out? And it's not easy. And I love the fact that they're willing to speak up enough. And I also want to point out something interesting that you brought up that I was just thinking about. The trailer was not loved, and the show ended up being pretty good. And I remember the first trailer for uh, Lois and Superman was not loved. We didn't, I didn't like it. Uh, there was an overall sense of like, ooh, this is as good. What, what is this? And then the second trailer was better. But as soon as I saw the first episode, I was like, okay, they need to talk to the trailer guys because <laughs> this show is so much better than that trailer. I don't know what happened. And this is the second time now. So I'm 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 not asking for anyone to get in trouble. I am saying maybe rethink your strategy with the trailers because fans are getting thrown for a loop, getting one thing from the trailer and getting something else from the actual finished product. Why there's a disconnect, I can't say. But it, it does catch my attention that you brought that up. And I remember you mentioning it before. And then it was just like, hey, we said that about Lois and Superman. What's going on with trailers? I don't know. However, I do know we have a little bit more in the way of teaming and streaming uh, news for you. For example, uh, Powerpuff, Justice, you, Zorro, Jake Chang, all officially scrapped from the CW. Man, that's a lot of stuff. Again, pointing to the uncertainty you were just mentioning in our last story, all of these things are no longer going to be at CW. And it it's a bit of a shift, clearly, as far as their, their content. Um, Brad, what would you think about this announcement and just how much is going away? Well, let me start with uh, the DC side of the story with Justice U. Well, it, it, we know that the Arrowverse, as it's come to be known, is ending. With pretty much with the wrap up of the Flash, 
we kind of knew that as the season kind of got underway. So I don't think it's a surprise that Justice U is, is not going to make it. It's a shame. And the other ones, I, I was really curious about the Powerpuff Girls live action, how that was going to go, and the Zorro, and the, I, the, the, I guess, Riverdale spinoff. But it said that these ideas may not be dead. They can be shopped to other networks and things like that. And no wonder that CW is having so much trouble when they don't even have the streaming rights to these shows. So no wonder they want to keep the budgets because so many people have cut the cord. They don't have cable anymore. They just use the streaming service to catch up on these shows. And with that taken out of CW's hands, that seems to be a lot of possible revenue. So it's not surprising to me that these shows got the axe. I just, it would be nice to see them find life somewhere, somewhere else. I remember when Powerpuff Girls first showed up as an animated show and I was kind of like see clips of it and be like, what is this? And then I remember watching one and laughing and laughing. And I thought, this is really hilarious. What smart writing, how, of course, now I get why it's grown in popularity. But the uh, the sort of idea of bringing it to life as a live action is so intriguing. I, I'm interested in the fact that you know, leadership are saying, well, this pilot just missed. I don't know what else to tell you. Just missed. And I get that. And clearly they're still excited about the actors. But I, I do want to point to what you were mentioning, because it, it's almost like we have a cascade effect that's going with the next couple of stories. So I'm just going to kind of roll this one into the next one into the next one, because it, it just seems like breaking for each one it's almost like we're rehashing stuff in the process because as you pointed out they they don't actually own these things they're using them they're they're getting access to the license to put them on but it's expensive they're not making a lot of money off of them they're trying to keep the budgets down for that reason which then makes it extremely hard to bring a project to life when there's a budget constraint and you know I mean, my first image of Powerpuff Girls is, wow, you would need a lot of tech. You would need a lot of CGI to make certain elements of that go. I think the idea of a Justice U would be really intriguing because Diggle was a street-level hero. He had tech, but it's not like we were trying to figure out how to make him fly or certain things like that where you're like, wow, that's this is like tech we use to make the Flash run fast. So I think there would have been some considerations, but... I also agree with what you're saying with the fact that, you know, we've known the CW has been closing up shop when it comes to DC projects simply because of the announcement from James Gunn that there's going to be a unified, you know, process moving forward. There won't all be these different splintered projects. So I would love the idea of it still being picked up in some way just because there there is a fan resonance with the CW audiences. I feel like you would be losing so much if you didn't try to consider picking things up like that. But it feeds right into our next story, which is the fact that right now the CW has no comic book shows on its fall schedule for the first time since Smallville ended. Um, that's the 2011-2012 season. I had to think back 10 years, 13. Oh, goodness. Every year we get older. Uh, what a what a sort of like revelation that they've reached this sort of point. Brad, what did you think about this? I mean, clearly... It's a reflection of how much it costs to hold on to those licenses and, and produce stuff and, and not make a lot of money. And now Nexstar, there's a lot of pieces here moving. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the thing that jumped out to me is that that is a long time. It is a long time to go. You know, we've had a superhero show for that long. But you said something, too, that the whole James Gunn tried to unify everything. So I definitely do not think that this is the last time that we're going to see a superhero show on the CW. Uh, I think it'll just be more tied into other things going on. So it's a little bittersweet, but I, th- I think it's definitely a temporary thing. Um, I don't, I really don't think that this is, you know, there's talk about superhero fatigue, where people are sick of the shows and, and the movies. I don't think this is the case. I just think that there's a lot of behind the scenes business things going on uh, as we move into uh, the next phase of what DC is going to be when it comes to TV and movies. So I don't expect this to last too long. I I think we'll see more shows uh, soon. What about you? Well, I, I do agree that this is, you know, <laughs> it has been a long time. There is also a lot to be, you know, juggled. Our, our next story moves into the fact that CW's president has given an update that there's still a lot of uncertainty about shows like Superman and Lois, Gotham Knights, um, the other one, uh, All-American Homecoming. And with those projects, it appears to be suggesting that once those pieces behind the scenes have fallen into place, talks about how these projects could continue will occur or at least be considered. So it, it sounds as though like there's a degree to which even the people who make these decisions are like, our hands are tied. We can't even start discussing certain things until something else happens. And then once it happens, we can start doing that. I, I do also think that it appears Nexstar is in a really tight position and they'll need some way to create content or air content and do so in a cost-effective way that, that brings them in revenue, whether or not that means they can work out a deal with Warner Brothers for these characters or not is, is something we'll have to wait on. I'm also thinking of the fact that this could be something where uh, the relationship changes form for whatever reason, and maybe there's like a first run on one and a second run on the other. You know, CW could get secondary streaming rights for a period. Because recently we've seen projects like uh, Daredevil, Born Again, being discussed, the idea of moving that character from Netflix to Disney, and that took years. (laughs) I mean, it's been a while since that show last aired on Netflix. It it would be sad if that's how long it takes for something like uh, Superman and Lois and Gotham Knights to transition to um, Max or something else. I don't know what that would look like, but I do I do consider the possibility that if there's a fan interest and you don't want to lose that that audience, give them another place to go or give them an option as far as, you know, how they can still keep up with these shows they like and they'll continue to support, which should pay off for. for the companies in the long run. I just think it seems like they're all trying to figure out how they can do it and how to make money in the process. Um, And we continue sort of just rolling along with the fact that when it comes to the CW, there's a a flurry of announcements, including a, uh, a fan favorite will not be returning to the flash. That's right. Cisco Ramon, Carlos Valdez will not be making an appearance in the upcoming finale that's going to be next week or uh, what is it 
I can't remember the actual date. It's May something. I know it's May. Brad, what did you think about this fact that, you know, for fans of Vibe, Carlos, we will not get a chance to see one more Cisco Ramon uh, exchange, quippy dialogue, fun facts, maybe even a couple of character names. This really bums me out because he was so he was so well loved by fans of the show. And when and also with his other cast members, they always felt like a family, to quote uh, Fast and the Furious. Um, but it, it's just a bummer that he can't participate because he did seem like such an important part of the cast and the show in general. He had such heart. The character was great. But the flip side of that is at least it's for a good reason. And it's the fact that he's just too busy. He couldn't make it work in a schedule. And that's a great thing. It's not like I don't get along with these guys anymore and I don't want to be involved. No, it's just he's got other things on his plate. So that's totally understandable. And it's good that he has found things to do now that the flash has ended. So I was kind of, you know, this is kind of bittersweet. But, um, you know, I'm glad that he's, he's continuing on his career. What about you? I always want to hear that actors I like are working steadily consistently you know or that they get the chance to take breaks that they need to creatively kind of recharge and then get back at it so yes i i was torn one i wanted him to be back on because man his heart and spirit so much uh you know so much like tom cavanaugh right it's that feeling of the 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 meaning that they held for creating that foundation that was able to sustain flash for so many seasons he was a, a big part of that whether it was on the tech side, you know, which I, I love that we've got Chester now picking things up and such a great homage to Wally. But I, I felt there was something with Cisco, especially when they gave, you know, gave the opportunity for him to become vibe. And we got to, you know, have some great moments like that. Having him come back would have been a real blessing, especially with so many other actors we've got coming around for the finale. However, he's doing a Hulu musical series called Up Here. And if there's one thing that I loved about The Flash, it did not shy, shy away from the opportunity to do some great musical moments. Um, Legends of Tomorrow did that as well. I still, to this day, remember the the Victor Gerber uh, Edelweiss uh, scene where he's up on the stage, right? But they they really they really embraced it, and I love that it's something that appears he is still able to do. Um, we can maybe see what his. Uh, musical chops are like on another program and who knows maybe this is a transition to uh carlos valdez doing some really fun broadway stuff or something else in the future I, I i like the idea of it but also i like the fact that yeah i committed to something afterwards and unfortunately now there's a conflict and that's the only reason why if it wasn't for that if it wasn't for my commitment to my work and uh, the project i'm on and the people i'm working with he would make the go and i know it would have been a really fun way to uh, send it off because it's uh, it's been confirmed now as I shift into our final TV and streaming news. Like I said, it all just keeps CW rolling into each other. The Flash's showrunner has confirmed that the uh, series finale doesn't actually wrap up the Arrowverse. So it kind of reminds me of the end of Crisis, right? The endings and the new beginning and what does all of that mean and, and what could be happening next? So there's this 
last layer of uncertainty that we get to leave folks with when it comes to TV and streaming. And we've got to get it from uh, the showrunner of The Flash. Brad, what did you think about this sort of like, wait, what? It's, wait, what? Yeah, what, what, there's a famous quote from Watchmen, nothing ends, nothing ever ends. That's really the case. Well said, sir. <laughs> popular culture these days. So, you know, especially when we've already talked about the idea of Elseworlds becoming a thing moving forward. And Arrowverse is popular, has such that built-in fan base. It would be really stupid to just close the door on all of that permanently. Um, if, if fans still like it, and whether it's the cast or the writer's room or whatever still is interested in it, you know, keep it, keep that door open. There's no reason to say, oh, we can never revisit this. Um, because I, I think the demand will be there, uh, maybe sooner rather than later. So it may be the end for now, but I don't think it's the, the end forever for the Arrowverse. What about you? I agree. Nothing ever really ends. I love that that concept that at some point science brought us to that that realization. You know, matter can never be destroyed. It can be changed. It can be transfigured. It can be, you know, recreated. But it it always exists. So I love this idea that you know you can burn it all down, and we've still got those particles that contain all of that amazing magic. What can we do with it? I mean, right now, I would say, you know, have fun with another popular phrase and throw it all in a bottle. It's it's literally lightning in a bottle. All you have to do afterwards is unleash it wherever you want, however you want. And I'm I'm thinking now, just as we've gone through all of this and what you were mentioning about the idea of Elseworlds taking hold, it could be that there and this is interesting, but it could be that there is a bit of holding of the breath until the flash movie has made a significant impact on the viewer audience and, you know, sort of the Warner brothers, DC universe as a whole, because if it does, you were going to say something. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, cause you know, we, we may get a Grant Gustin cameo in the flash movie. You don't know. I mean, that's still talked about. So, Right. No, and he's no, he's no. sworn it off that it's not happening and it's there's you know, that's not going to happen. But I think even if they didn't do that, even if they didn't go in that direction, if there is a way to concretely establish how many different places things can occur, how many different multiverses exist and, and what those mean. And then from that, if there's a feeling from WB and DC like, hey, this idea works. It took hold. We've we've got it now so that people can get on board with it. That from this point on, every new project can be about where it comes from. That it comes from one of these worlds that we've already sort of cemented in people's imaginations and minds and understandings. And then maybe they can build on that and they can actually talk more about, okay, now that it's happened, this is what it means. Now that we've got this, this is what we can do. Um yeah, I almost feel like it comes back to what you were saying earlier about all of these pieces in the background that might need to fall into place that are still being moved around. And with that, I mean, clearly, you know, Eric Wallace, he's the Flash showrunner. This was a show that that really took the next step for the CW's Arrowverse. 
Arrow did a lot of things, but it was with the Flash that we suddenly saw like, oh, wow, look, hey, there's a Supergirl. Boom. Here, we've got new developments over here. Now there's Batwoman. Now there's Black Lightning. Like there was a really quick progression. It was like Arrow kind of did it for a few years by its own. And then once we want the Flash on, everything picked up. So I feel like that understanding of how quickly things can develop once you set the stage and tone, he's got to have some sort of understanding or some sort of information that makes him say, don't give up just yet. Right. And I feel like there's an interesting timing about this occurring less than a month before the Flash movie comes out, as though that could do something. And sometimes these things move slower than you realize. Like you talked about Daredevil before. I think that way back years ago, when they canceled Daredevil and all the Marvel shows on Netflix, there was plans in place to bring them to the new uh, Disney Plus streaming service. And that was that, that long ago. Uh, another example is when Mark Hamill came out one Comic-Con and said, I'm not doing the Joker anymore. What happened not so long after that? The Force Awakens was announced and right. that Disney bought Star Wars. So those things, they move slower than people realize. So there could be, for all we know, there could be something in the works already that they're just not talking about. And that for whatever reasons, maybe they can't even move on it because there's contracts and dates and there's stipulations about what can and can't occur before and after and, and things like that. So, yep, I can definitely agree. Um, and I know that also when you think about the pieces that were involved before they could even announce the idea of Born Again happening with Daredevil. First, they had to get to a place where the Disney Channel wasn't just PG content where you could bring on something as violent as the previous episodes of Netflix shows like Jessica Jones, like Daredevil, and then get past the reaction to that and then start introducing newer, right? So it's like a building block process. And that yeah. might be the case with, uh, with whatever Max and others start to do with WB properties. Am I, am I hitting close to where you're talking about too? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that that was definitely in consideration that Disney had to get to that. Disney Plus had to get to that point where they could have more adult-oriented content, and that's slowly been happening over the years. And I think that was definitely a deliberate time to bring in things like Daredevil. And that's probably why it hasn't really been made official that John Bernthal is going to come back as Punisher, though it's probably going to happen at some point. But that has to go to a whole nother step. But yeah, but yeah I agree 100%. Cheers. With that, we get to move into away from what was a really amazing just boom, boom, boom TV streaming when we were talking about CW and Warner Brothers and all of that. Pause. We get to now shift and go into a bit of comic book news, which doesn't always have the certainty we would like, but sometimes has just the certainty we need. And when it comes to announcements like uh, <clears throat> Gnort getting his own uh Illustrated swimsuit edition, calling back to those 90s issues that were a bit <clears throat> risque, a bit, um, you know, a marketing ploy, perhaps. We take this intriguing twist coming up for us in August. What did you think about this? Some of the images we got. Brad, your take? Uh, yeah, I don't think those swimsuit issues have uh, aged very well. So it's 
funny to see them doing another spin on it. But I absolutely, absolutely love the pick of Nort with the hair dryer blowing his hair. That was so well drawn. I could picture that so well in my mind. I mean, that's just with the yeah. That's yeah. That's that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> like look at that. Poop. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I, I don't know if I'll be picking this up, but I I, uh, I definitely think it's uh, pretty funny. What about you? I'm definitely, I'm actually confident that those issues have not aged well. Um, <laughs> but it was it was almost like they were so popular to a degree with the characters that you were just sort of like, what else can we do? And at some point, someone went, swimsuit issues. They probably have amazing fit bodies and all these you know, constantly wearing spandex that shows how rippling their physiques are, you know, it would make sense that they would be great for that. I love the twist on it, though, in the way that we get Gnort. I, I, I always got a big fan of Gnort. He was <laughs> he's been one of my favorites. And the recent appearances, um, whatever it might be that's caught your interest, um, whether it is the uh, Tom King project recently, the Nate Human Target where we got a chance to see a very interesting side of Gnort or this classically comedic. That's one of the things about him. He never take himself too seriously. And with that, he always has this great comedic flavor. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued with the rest of it. Yeah. I don't know if I pick this up, but I'm looking forward to seeing images of it appearing on social media and having a bit of fun with that. Um, there was also a lovely tongue in cheek one of uh, Batman and Catwoman. And I smiled when I realized that the cover of the book is like a cowl and covering his face while they're reading and hanging out. And then the rest of the images were just kind of adorable. You know, it does seem like it's a little bit of like a wink. Like, remember when we did this back then? <laughs> Wasn't it funny? OK, maybe it wasn't. Let's have some fun with it. <laughs> with that in mind. We do move into some very interesting recognition for speaking of Batman. Uh, both Nightwing and Batman, uh, One Bad Day, are among those leading the 2023 Eisner Award nominees. Uh, Brad, what did you think about this uh, announcement and just, you know, the excitement as we get closer to the Eisners? Yeah, DC's got some good stuff up this year. Uh, Nightwing totally deserves every award that it was nominated for. We've talked at length about that series on this podcast. Uh, and if Kevin Conroy's story for the um, Pride issue does not win, there is no justice in the world. So that that should almost be a shoe-in, I would think. Um, yeah, and, and One Bad Day was one of my favorite Batman stories over the past couple of years. So I was happy to see all that. I was happy to see Tom King uh, for Human Target also get nominated. So, I, you know, this is, it goes back to what I always say, that it's a good time to be a DC fan. And these these issues and these nominations are exactly, exactly why. So many great projects being recognized. Just some really phenomenal stuff in here, as you pointed out. Um, yes, if uh, Kevin Conroy does not receive recognition for that story, th there is someone with a very mean soul and uh, to quote Hook, a very bad person who needs a mommy right now. Um, <laughs> there there are some beautiful things. I mean, just some great moments that I distinctly remember. 
um, some wonderful projects. Uh, I love the fact that Nightwing, yes, leading all of the titles with five nominations. It's so exciting. That's my Pitbull Fiji downstairs, rolling around in excitement, going, isn't it great? Yeah, she likes it when I get happy about comic stuff. Batman, One Bad Day, Nice House on the Lake, Human Target. I mean, a phenomenal yeah, nice collection. Nice House on the Lake, that's... Uh, Ooh, such a beautiful book, such a yeah. beautiful... Yeah, and I loved, I mean, just one of the elements that I, I, I kind of wonder, I have to think back now, I, I'm going to go actually check out the Eisners. Um, by the way, speaking of which... Um, anyone who would like can still register to vote by filling out a form. Uh, Josh might include the link. However you choose to find it, you have until June 2nd. Today is May 21st that we're recording. And I know every comic fan out there, every DC fan has a right to weigh in on making sure things like Kevin Conray's story gets the recognition it deserves. Want to be part of that? Go check it out. Hit the link. Um, like I said, we'll see if maybe Josh can fit in the liner notes and I'm hopeful that they really get all of the recognition they deserve. It's, uh, it's always a great thing when we get a chance to recognize these projects and it's amazing how much great content when we get to the end of the year, it's like, Oh yeah, that was good. Oh, remember that? That was so good. Oh, how do we choose? It's not going to be easy. If you find yourself in a dark place, reach out to us. We'll be huddling around our own dark places. But there's a there's a, a strength found in commiseration, right? <laughs> now, shifting away from the you know pressures of awards and the excitement that goes with it and the fact that we won't know any results until the voting finishes on the second and then announcements are made at uh, Comic-Con later on in June. However... While you cast your vote and find yourself saying what's going to be the results, you can take advantage of the fact that there are some great comics coming your way that you can enjoy, including DC's two, two Catwomen who are about to take down a major Batman villain. We're talking about Selena Kyle and Aiko Hasegawa taking on a notorious Batman villain. Otherwise known as Black Mask. Brad, what did you think about this idea? Two cat women, one black mask. Sounds like, you know, he's outnumbered, in my opinion. Yeah, he doesn't really stand a chance. But he, he is a fun villain. Uh, I like those charismatic villains with the good one-liners. And uh, Black Mask is kind of that character. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. And having two cat, you know, cat women fighting against it, that's the more the merrier. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this. What about you? Well, yeah, this Catwoman number 56 written by Teeny Howard art by Marcus Toe and Marco Santucci. Uh, I'm saying that all because they went ahead and shared some gorgeous images that go along with it. And I was like, Oh wow, this looks amazing. In fact, there's some great covers. Um, one, I mean, the look on Selena's face just totally says like, Oh yeah, I'm about to embarrass everybody. <laughs> And then there's also some great paneling that I love. So uh, if you get a chance to uh, pop on over to CBR.com, the story, DC's Two Catwoman, there's some great content for you to just eye candy through and enjoy. And uh, Teeny Howard really done some amazing stuff that I've been pleased with. Um, really loved her work with uh, Catwoman. And I like that this is a story where we get to see Aiko Hazagawa work with Selena now. I think that's going to be an interesting transition because 
Selena's done that thing, you know, with the Ramvi storyline where she was really making a power center within within a part of Gotham and really establishing the nest and her coterie. And and now, you know, this idea of like, well, what if she needs to go? Who do you hand that off to? How can you make sure that stuff stays in place? Or is there someone who can trade off with you? So when one of you needs to go off and do something, I think it's going to be interesting. And I think the idea of seeing them build that relationship through taking down Black Mask, as you point out, always a fun villain, always some great one liners. And he's one of those villains who loves to have a lot of disposable people. So it's like, you know, you got to get through all the cannon fodder and then you can get to uh, <laughs> the bad guy. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun watching them just like smack, 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 bap, 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 all the way through. And then there's going to be a little struggle. Maybe he's going to have an upper hand once or twice, but that's when we get to see our favorite characters rise to the occasion and come on on top. Like we love, including, you know, the fact that when it comes to even events like uh, DC's upcoming Night Terrors, uh, it, it horror isn't something that everyone wants to stay in. So these things eventually do come to an end. In fact, this one will be coming to an end with the final chapter known as Night's End. This will all be wrapping up with an unlikely hero and the introduc- introduction of a Dr. Hate, not fate. You heard me right, Dr. Hate. We're getting this from from CBR.com. It's our final story, wrapping things up for us. Brad, what did you think about this announcement? We've got an unlikely hero, we've got a new character, and and an interesting finale to uh, Night Terrors. I I always enjoy the character of Dead Man. Um, And I like when he's utilized in the DC universe at large, rather than just those. uh, And I, I, I love his solo but like vertigo-esque titles but I, I like when he's he's part of the dc universe and uh i i think that going forward with the dawn of dc they could do a lot of fun things with the character so i'm glad to see him coming back and taking like uh almost a center stage at least in this issue so looking forward to seeing more from dead men uh in the next uh year or so what about you big fan of dead man I, I really enjoy, you know, the the whole concept of Boston, this guy who was so arrogant and ladies man got in trouble. And now he's just constantly making up for it by trying to do these things. Yes, we have seen him play some minor roles and, and d- did make, you know, more of a impression with things like the Vertigo titles. But bringing him back into the uh, the larger DC universe uh, I'm glad that it's being done by such an amazing team like Josh Williamson and uh, Howard Porter Williamson, who just, I think you said it so well a couple months back, Keys to the Kingdom, just really has no trouble taking any one of these characters that he puts his hands on and turning them into something that's a great story. You know, making all the parts we love about them part of these great stories. There is some gorgeous art. I think if I'm going to grab one to share with folks, it's probably going to be <laughs> that phenomenal looking Dead Man cover. Um, really gorgeous stuff. I am not always as savvy to figure out who did that one. However, as I pointed out, DC's horror event ends with an unlikely hero and the introduction of Dr. Hate. You can check that out because they also like the Selena. Catwoman story we were talking about. They have a little bit of uh, interior art for you to check out, as well as that amazing collection of covers for variants. So get out there, get ready for your FOC so you can (laughs) get it in in time. 
and make sure that you've got all these gorgeous goodies in your hands. With that, we have our other news. Outside of movies, TV, and streaming, and comic books, we have those other things that, well, they still have a home in the DC universe. The first one, Lego unveiling a 3,981-piece Batman Returns Batcave. Oh, my. Oh, me. And is is it just me, or is that a super cool-looking image of... Uh, <laughs> Of that great little image right there that sort of sets us up. Brad, what did you think about this uh, Lego Batcave and the fact that, you know, thanks to you, we're still hearing about the story instead of <laughs> me closing up shop early. I This looks incredible. Like, fans of Legos are going to go nuts. There's that, um, that certain Lego collector that loves these big sets. There was a Death Star set. There was, uh, I think, an, Avenger, uh, an Avengers Academy, a Daily Bugle. And seeing like this huge Batcave uh, set up is just uh, incredible. I have a really good friend that likes to build these Lego um, sets with his son. And I bet that he's going to pick this up for sure. Uh, and, it, it, and that's the perfect thing, like something that a perfect way for a parent to bond with a kid, hey, let's, you like Batman, I like Batman, let's get this and put it together, it's gonna take a while. <laughs> I, would, I would much rather do that than go fishing, you know? So, you know, like, uh, you know, if I, had, if I had a son, I would say, let's put this Slayer together, you know, let's, let's get together. Uh, it's, it's incredible, seven minifigures, you get Alfred, Bruce Wayne, two different Batman, Joker, Cat, Catwoman, yeah, I think it's fairly phenomenal the, how much they've got going on in here. Um, you know, as you pointed out, too, great bonding experience. If you're not one of those who like to get up ridiculously early in the morning to go fishing, if you're not a big fan of stabbing worms with hooks and, you know, enjoying that sort of um, damp air that fishing always seems to include. And this is something you'd rather do. Now, I, I will say it might be a little more expensive than a day fishing trip. You're looking at a retail price of around $3.99. That's true. However, right, you do get the chance to relax and recharge, bond with one or more of your kids, hang out, experience all of these sort of like fun pieces. It's got all these dynamic actions. And then I was checking out the images that go with it. And that case, man, opens up, and now you have all of this great fun that you can enjoy and play inside. If you want to check out just how crazy it is, the uh, it's Batman News where we grab this one. The Lego unveils the 3,981-piece Batman Returns Batcave. Um, there's 49 images on there. I'm not going to spend the time of this to show you all 49. I showed you a couple. You should go take a look if it's something that intrigues you or if you just enjoy, as I've said before, checking out the eye candy this is a really great piece. Um, I would imagine that your friend and his son will be building that very soon. I do know that I've got a relative and they've been doing a ton of the Lego Star Wars ones. So I'm interested if they will ever switch over to the DC ones because clearly there's so many of them to enjoy and another new one to add to your collection. Now, when it comes to toys like this, I totally get it. However, we shift into an interesting gear for me with video games. It's not really my forte. So, Brad, I'm going to lean on you a little bit for our next story. 
that Mortal Kombat 1's, their DLC leak is including Invincible, The Boys, and Peacemaker characters. For those who maybe aren't quite, you know, familiar, what, what exactly are we talking about with this uh, DLC link and, and what it means that Peacemaker is one of those things that you get to enjoy because of it? So, it's basically characters that you can download once the game's released. So, down the line, they'll release the characters and you can play them. Um, in the game, not necessarily part of the story mode part, but in the like player versus player music. And I, I love the idea of getting Peacemaker characters and Invincible characters, but I really love the idea of getting the boys characters. That's such a, a cool idea. I can't wait to see to see what that looks like when it comes out. To see all their fatalities and see all their you know all their special moves because I which I've talked about this on the podcast, I prefer like a solo experience when I'm playing games, the story mode, but I'm not going to get in and go online and face other players. I'll get beat too quick. So it would not be fun, but I will love to watch the, the footage on YouTube of people using these characters. Um, and it'd be funny if somehow John Cena lent his voice to the character. That would be a, a nice throwback to the series. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we'll see, but yeah, that'll be it'll be fun. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what this all looks like when it's all said and done. Cool. Yeah, these are ideas I've kind of heard of, but I don't experience them. I don't use them. So it was like, yeah, I need to reference someone with a little more experience here than me, and <laughs> make sure that when I'm talking about this, um, I'm actually talking less than someone who knows more is uh, describing it, explaining it. That's really cool that you can get these characters, enjoy seeing like what their special, as you point out, fatalities and other specialty moves are. And, what it's like to, to do that. However, as you point out, can't do it in the story mode, but you'll, uh, you know, you can live vicariously watching other people on YouTube and that can sometimes be just as much fun. And now I'm at the final story. Brad's nodding his head. I did make it to the final story. I didn't try and leave off three stories this time. We have some McFarlane toys jokerized versions of Dark Knight Returns figures. Oh my, oh wow. Yeah, that's an image that really sort of sticks in the brain. Brad, what did you think about this announcement? I mean, McFarland Toys already, you know, one of those names synonymous with phenomenal quality. Taking a Jokerized twist, something you uh, would love to add to your shelf? I think that only McFarland Toys could make an action figure so terrifying. That is, that's pure nightmare fuel. Um, but there, you know, their attention to detail and the sculpting. Um, I always say that these are the figures that I wanted when I was a kid. And now, now they're there. I, I, I don't buy toys, but I totally get why people would. And this is one that I would get if I did. This would, I would find a place on myself for this. And I would use it as a Halloween decoration, the Halloween season. <laughs> nice. That would be a sweet one. Um, for those who do have, you know, a desire to add these, you can start pre-ordering them from Target starting uh, May 26th. So just a few more days. That's something you can get your hands on. They they are phenomenal. Uh, the series includes, um, well, so many fun ones for you to enjoy. I would say go check out CBR.com for more about 
all the details related to McFarland Toys Gold Label Connection. And with that, that is our final story. And I can say that this has been the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast number 177. Um, if Josh didn't take it out the first time I said it, well, you just had some fun sort of watching me learn a lesson in the moment. Um, I've been lucky enough and grateful that Brad Felicki has been here to make sure I didn't leave off those three stories and to make sure we stayed on track the entire time through this great conversation. Brad, as I point out, you know, we've been talking about some fun stuff. You've had some really great insights. Folks might want to follow up with you or catch out the other stuff you're doing. Where's the best places they can go dig around and say hi? Uh, yeah, you can find me writing news reviews, DC Comics News. Um, I mentioned last week, uh, I have a few reviews up on Josh's other site, Merc with the Movie Blog. Um, and one day, we'll get to it. We'll record more Mad Love, Harley Quinn podcasts. I'm not giving up. So when we do, I will be on that. Uh, and <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at BlickyB1. Uh, where can people find you, sir? Yeah, um, you can find some reviews and things that I wrote for dccomicsnews.com. Just go to the website, type in my name, Seth Singleton, in there and um, give a read. You can also find me here on a regular basis hanging out with the crew for the weekly podcast. When Mad Love picks back up, I will do my best to make myself among the coterie who is making that thing happen so we can finish off season two and continue on. I mean, there's that Valentine's episode we got to get to at some point because that was just ridiculous. Um, and with all of that, the fun and the fury, where else can you find me? Um, you can find me over at this place called Hapsy Comics, a little character I write called Greedy Greg, if you're into that kind of thing, online comic strips. Um, you can find me on Twitter as one more singleton. Instagram is set the writer. Or just type in my name, Seth Singleton, and Linktree, and it'll bring you a whole list of different stuff and stuff I'm on. And yeah, in about six weeks, I'm going to have another place to send you to. And I'm looking forward to sharing that as soon as I have more details about it. Until then, here's what you can always know. If you subscribe right now to the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, whether you're on YouTube or whether you're on one of your favorite podcast platforms, by doing so, you make sure you never miss an episode of this great programming and all of the stuff we have coming your way, whether it's I Am the Night, the Batman the Animated Series, hosted by Mr. Adam uh, and Steve J. Ray. We also have Mad Love, which Brad Flicky has pointed out, and the potential for other great content to come our way. I'm still pushing for a Flicky fashion show. Until then, I'm glad we always have Flicky fashion segments as part of our weekly podcast. Stay in the know, stay up to date, and... Let us know what you're thinking on your favorite social media platforms. Just use the handle DC Comics News, capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. Use that handle. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr. I don't think we're on TikTok yet, but uh, I might find out. YouTube, wherever you, you know, pick a handle, that handle. Find us on your favorite social media platform. Tell us what you're thinking, what you like, questions, whatever it might be. We love to have a great chat. And with that, we always love to leave you with one great reminder that it's a great way to spend your time between now and the next episode or any time you've got some free time. And that is to always read more comics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One of these days, it's just going to be like, bam, and people are going to go, wow. And we're like, Maybe yeah, it only it. took us 170 something of those to get it, but we got it. And <laughs> Brad, always a pleasure. Thank you, everyone. Can't wait to join you next time.